Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 163 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's show, we break down what has been a thrilling week for the 20th-ranked Virginia Tech men's basketball program with a win over 19th-ranked Duke and a solid road win at Wake Forest on Sunday. We'll get Will and Chris's thoughts on men's hoops. Plus, we'll talk about the news of Jack Tyler being promoted to linebackers coach inside the Virginia Tech football program and updates on Hokies women's basketball and wrestling. Episode 163 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started, not now, but right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we're so glad you could join us today as we record on Monday morning, January 18th. Our crew today, to my left, we have our managing editor here at Tech Sideline, Chris Coleman. Across the way, we have our general manager and founder, Will Stewart. Behind the scenes and across the way, we have the best broadcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. It is great to have all of you with us. If you have a question for Will or Chris, it could be football or basketball related or anything Virginia Tech Athletics related, be sure to drop it in the YouTube live chat, and I'll get to them at the end of the show. Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Campus Emporium. The Southeast Regional Training Center. You can go to southeastrtc.com to get involved with the Virginia Tech Wrestling Program today, as well as Anytime Fitness. Each new member gets a free fitness consultation, and a program is designed. Now through January 25th, sign up for a dollar for the first billing period. You call 540-951-1340. Again, that's 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell them Tech Sideline sent you. And Will has been updating us about his progress, about 2021. He is actually going to Anytime Fitness tomorrow. Big day, Will. Yes, I've been an Anytime Fitness member for many years, since probably 2016. Um, Tomorrow is when I start my personal training with former Virginia Tech punter Mitchell Ludwig. Does he go by Mitch or Mitchell? I call him Mitch. Yeah, okay, we'll call him Mitch. Everybody calls him Mitch. Yeah, um... What, what was he when he was punting? Do you remember? He was Mitchell. Yeah, he was Mitchell. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's Mitch. So Chris has been working out with Mitch for a long time, and that's why Chris looks the way he does. So I'm going to put it out there. I put out there that I'm uh, my weight is like 186, 187, which is way too much for me. I got on the in-body machine the other day. I just squeaked in under 30% body fat, 29.4%. So we are shooting for uh, 15% body fat. So uh, I'll be with Mitch for about three months, and you know we'll see if I want to keep going after that. I'm sure I'll be satisfied. You're shooting for what? 
What's that? Uh, I'm going to be working out with him twice a week for the next three months at least. Mm -hmm. And we will see how I feel about it after that. I'm I'm sure I'm sure we'll do fine. It it means that the bar at home will be closed for the next three months. (laughs) (laughs) Look forward to uh, to hearing updates about it throughout the next couple of months. So all this that you see right here, you know, if if you're watching, if if you're just listening, I already look fantastic. And again, we have our own, uh, we, we can talk about how great he is. We just look over at Chris and, and then there's all the, uh, you know, who needs to read this when you can just say go to Anytime Fitness. Yeah. This will work you, but you got to do it on your own too. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, well, yeah, like, well, well, like when I lost all mine, I was probably around 21, 22% body fat when I first started working out with Mitch a little, I guess over two years ago now. I got down to 10%. But I dropped from 16% to 10% from July to September of this year because yeah. not only was I lifting with Mitch, but I was walking four or five miles a day yeah. on my own. Right. So, uh, which I need to do again, but I hate the cold. So, yeah. yeah. So, so for me, I'll go in twice a week to actually work out with Mitch and then I'll go to the Fairlawn location because that's closer to my house. I'll do that on the, on the weekends and other times. So looking forward to it. And I talked to Tyler the other day and he said the response from, Tech sideline people has been very good that they've gotten a, a lot of interest in some new members and and that was before I got an email over the weekend from a TSLer saying yeah my two sons are going to sign up and go so it's going really well we appreciate that yeah and we're going to talk about strength and conditioning and nutrition and things like that more this off season than in the past yeah. it's going to be a lot easier to follow if you if you get into it yourself. You'll have a better understanding of what we're talking. Right, looks right, like so I need to call Tyler at five four zero nine five one one three four zero. Maybe I'll get involved, and then three of us can all go there together. Um, Chris, typically at the end of the podcast, I ask you what's going on on TechSideline.com this week, which I'll do at the end. But we have a lot of great content up right now that I want to highlight at the beginning of the podcast, uh, including your interview with Lou Johnston, who just wrote a book. You have an article up on TSL. Tell us about uh, getting to interview Lou and how was his book? Uh, the best is still yet to come is about, you know, his coaching career at at Western Branch and, you know, his top players there, basically. And, and there are a lot of Virginia Tech players featured in the book because he coached a lot of future Virginia Tech players when he was at Western Branch. Uh, you know, Jeff Holland, who actually posts right. on TSL. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys like Shiron Stith, Emmett Johnson, Vince Hall. You know, he tells some good stories in there about how they originally cut Chiron Stith from the JV team. And Chiron didn't go by the school to look at the cut list over the weekend. And so he still showed up at practice on Monday. It's a good thing they did because Monday morning they had to cut 12 JV players because they didn't pass their SO, uh, standard of learning test. Yeah. SOLs, I remember being. Cut 12 varsity players, you mean? No, they cut JV, 12 guys so off. So this the JV was, team. we're talking about the JV team. Okay, right, go ahead. right. Uh, so they had to take Stith, and he was like 5'4", 125 pounds. Yeah. And, but by the end of the year, that they threw him in a varsity game during garbage time, and he went 60 yards for a touchdown. And so who knows? Like, if Chiron Stith had gone by Western Branch to, to uh, check the cut list over the weekend and those 12 players had passed their SOLs, then maybe Chiron Stith never ends up at Virginia Tech. Maybe he never ends up playing in the national championship game. Maybe he never ends up playing in the NFL. You and, know, so and Virginia Tech may have lost to Akron in nineteen ninety six. Six, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh so lots of fun little stories like that in there. And and we've known Lou for a, a while time, because yeah. he uh he posts on T S L. Um he's done a, he's done a, 
an interview and an article with me before so i thought it'd be fun to talk to him again and, and if you like reading some stories on some past virginia tech players uh check it out uh the best is still yet to come available on amazon that's on techsideline.com that interview with lou johnston will it's a great time to become the tech sideline family we've got a lot of great content up on the website right now and also do want to take a quick moment before we dive into today's uh, content we have planned for you on episode 160 of the Tech Sideline Podcast that you can't see it, but it's been a big week for Will and Chris moving into a new office, the room that we are currently in right now that used to be split in half between Malcolm's desk for editing, Will and Chris's desk, and the podcast set. This room is now solely used for audio and video content you guys are in your new office will what was the transition like and how happy are you with it as you take out your phone and are taking pictures i think i'm going to take a picture of uh well we'll get that later sometime when chris is talking uh so we we started renting the office next door i think it started in december so this has been a almost a two-month process and and maybe it may have even been uh november of Buying furniture, get, getting the furniture set up, buying computers, getting the computers set up. So we're really psyched to separate out operations from audio video production. And this will give us a chance to expand the things that we do here. Like we want to bring a fourth person in for the podcast. And so we now have room to do that. We'll position that person elsewhere in the room. We're going to buy more cameras and go from a three camera setup to four or five cameras. And uh, so in addition to improving the podcast, we're going to explore what we can do and audio video that we're currently not doing and also get some of Bill Roth's uh, sports media and analytics students involved and see if there's anything they want to come in here and do just give them another sandbox to play in so we're pretty excited about it yeah and all three of us are wearing tech sideline masks we continue to just uh get better here on the podcast and so anyways uh, exciting times and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll put some stuff out on social media for those that want to see all right we've got a busy podcast today as we record on Monday morning January 18th we're going to talk about Virginia Tech basketball Virginia Tech football we were going to touch more on Virginia Tech wrestling but their big duel against North Carolina was postponed due to COVID-19 issues in the North Carolina program and we'll get to your questions on YouTube live at the end if you have a question drop in the chat and we will get to those at the end of the show. But we we begin today's podcast talking about the 20th-ranked Virginia Tech men's basketball program who went 2-0 and last week, if you count Sundays being part of last week, with a win against Duke on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday inside of Castle Coliseum, and then a win at Wake Forest on Sunday. Virginia Tech is now 11-2 and overall and 5-1 and in ACC play for just the second time since joining the conference. We'll spend a lot of the time talking about the game against Wake Forest on Sunday because there's a lot to digest from that, but how can we not lead off and talk about the Hokies' win over Duke? That's now four out of the last five games played inside of Castle that the Hokies have beaten the Blue Devils. It was six days ago, so Chris, what do you remember most about that game and what impressed you about Tech's win over Duke? Well, I remember the start and Tech just went out and punched him in the mouth, and Duke is a bunch of freshmen. And I think it was 29-12 to 12 at yeah, one point. Yeah, I think that's right. And, yeah. you know, they, they didn't really recover until the second half, and to their credit, they, they came back in the second half. You know, Duke still has talent, but, you know, I would have been – this is the first time I think I can ever say this. I would have been disappointed if Tech didn't win that game because Duke – 
they're, 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 they have a lot of freshmen, and they didn't play in the month of December. Yeah. I, I mean, you, I mean, how could you not win that game if you're a Virginia Tech? Yeah. Uh, so Duke's going to be better in March than they are right now, but right now they're not a very good basketball team, to be quite honest with you. You know, I should have done my research before we went live, but there, there, was, a, there was a game, I think it was during Buzz Williams' tenure, maybe his last year, where, where Tech beat Duke in Castle. And I went into that game thinking Tech should win this thing. You know, I think it was the, the game Zion sat out. Well, J-Rob was out that game, too. So why would I think that? I, I, just, I just do <laughs> I remember know. that there, there was a game where I felt pretty confident going in. But for the most part, you know. You'd... It might have been the year before when they had Grayson Allen and Marvin Bagley. I mean, that was still a good team, but it yeah. was they still had R.J. Barrett, the game that Zion was Was that the Chris Carr class second shot? Yes. No, I thought Tech was going to lose that one. Okay. Uh, I was, I, that is the most off the hook I've seen Castle Coliseum in a long time was when Chris when Nikhil Alexander Walker missed the shot right mm-hmm. like completely overshot the basket and uh, Chris Clark catches it and tips it in and man I, I I just hit you know on YouTube you can go backwards 10 seconds I pulled that video up and I just kept going backwards 10 seconds and replaying that moment over and over and over I wore the button out uh, there have been a couple of uh, thrilling wins in, in against Duke inside of Castle Coliseum and it got me thinking, gosh, if there were fans inside of Castle for that first half when Tech led by as many as 18 yeah, points, yeah. that place would have been rocking. Yeah. A lot of people were saying that uh, yeah. online. I think Corey Alexander was saying that. He was, he was calling yes. the game. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it would have been a great atmosphere. You know, keep in mind, too, there was a story that was written, I believe it was on The Athletic before the season started, in which they pulled, I want to say, ACC players and coaches, and one of the questions was one of the most, what's the most underrated venue in the ACC? And Castle Coliseum was the answer. Yeah, so. this this is this whole thing of not being able to have fans in Castle is just killing me. Like, uh, you know, Malcolm's been to games in Castle. It's his senior year. My daughter's a freshman, and she has not been able to go to games in Lane Stadium. Right. And she's been to basketball. You know, she's been to games in Lane before and been to uh, – um, basketball games in Castle, but she's never been in the student section, you know, so she's totally missed out on that this year. Um, so so to shift gears a little bit, but still talk about Duke, I know I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Coach K needs to start recruiting guys that will be on his team for three or four years. Now, that said, I, I don't know how old Coach K is. I don't know that he's going to coach a lot longer, but I just think he would do so much better like, imagine if he had a team full of Hunter Coutures that played three or four Or Matthew years. Hertz. Right. He's well, got, but, but Matthew, is, is, is Hertz a sophomore? He's a sophomore. But okay. look how much better he got between his freshman Exponentially and Exponentially better. He but was I'm, only averaging nine points a game last year. Now he's leading the conference. In but I wonder if he's going to lose him at the end of this year and, and, and only get one good year out of him. I know nothing about his NBA prospects. I'm yeah. sure he's probably. Really have no clue. Know. Yeah. But, but, yes, you're right. Um he, he sold just, his soul to the one and done devil. Well, it know? seems like he's been doing it ever since he started coaching the Olympic team, yeah, uh, or the U.S. national team. And I, I just think he started he started coaching that team, and maybe he fell in love with that level of talent, and decided he liked develop. Those guys are already developed for the most part, but he enjoyed working with with that type of talent. Maybe uh, I, I don't know, but I, I do know that Duke. I think they're leaving wins on the table by their current strategy. In my so opinion. the question is really is what are they leaving on the table with regards to the NCAA tournament? Like that year that, that they met Tech in the in the Sweet 16, you know, and they had Zion. They were very good that year, but they, they lost. lost the next game, right? Right. Yeah, you know. Um, 
Sometimes, and, and, and that's why we could do a separate podcast on this. I always enjoy watching a program like Michigan State because Tom Izzo has not bought into the whole one and done. He still likes to bring in talent, develop them for at least two or three years, and he still has a couple of juniors and seniors. On Duke's team this year, I'm fairly certain they only have two seniors or graduate students. Are yeah, they walk-ons? Uh, no, one of them plays. I forget his oh, yeah. name. Number uh, Actually, I have the box score in front of me right now. One of them is a graduate student. Uh, he ran points a little bit for them throughout the game. It's um, Jordan Goldwire. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Goldwire's been around he has for a while. Been there for a while. Yeah. So, but anyways, talking about Virginia Tech's win over Duke uh, last week inside of Castle Coliseum. Touch on it briefly. 74-67, the final 20th-ranked Hokies over the 19th-ranked Blue Devils. And we're going to talk a lot about this man over the last two games. He's kind of been the story. Chris talked about it before it went live. I mean, Tyrese Radford was the story of the win against Duke. And in some ways, he was the story of the game against Wake Forest on Sunday. Boots against the Blue Devils, 33 minutes, 7 of 12 from the field, 4 of 7 from the free throw line, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, and a block led, shot. Led the Hokies in all three categories. He almost had a double-double at halftime of the Duke game. Yeah. And he will. He's just. I think a word to describe Boots. He's just ferocious. I mean, he is. Um, he is aggressive, and he's not. He's not afraid to back down from anyone. I don't know if you remember the Duke game. There was a a moment. Uh, I believe it was off either a missed shot or a missed free throw, where there were two Blue Devils standing on like the right block, and he just jumped in in between both of them and snatched the ball away. I mean, it's just. You don't see that every day. I I really miss Jamon Gordon. I really miss watching him play. And, and that helps me watch Tyrese Radford and really appreciate him in the moment, as good as he is. And, and I do not think he's a, a, a flight risk of any kind, you know, particularly not early NBA. I don't, you know, I, I don't. Oh, no. I mean, go back and read my interview with him. And I asked him about what it was like when Buzz left, and he didn't know what was going to happen. And he was basically like, you know, I came to Blacksburg originally, didn't know anybody, and then – Everybody left off that team my first year, and then Buzz left, and I'm just sitting around, and it's just kind of me and Blacksburg, and I'm from Louisiana. But he's like, I was staying at Virginia Tech. I wasn't go. I was like, I, I, no, I, I can't go anyway. back home. Is basically, you know. Yeah, I remember to, that. Yeah, now. yeah. He said it's Virginia Tech or or nowhere. So uh, he kind of plays with that mentality that it's a of I'm trying to get out of what I grew up in or what yeah. I grew up around. And I think you see that on the court some. Now, there, there's also some physical ability there. <laughs> like, that dude is fast. When he gets running downhill in a transition situation, he's extremely fast. I, I see fast. him getting – you know, he, he's got his <laughs> athleticism and, and his, his natural ability to, to rebound a basketball primarily. But he is getting more and more skilled. You're starting to see him do more stuff – We've seen him go coast to coast a few times mm-hmm. this year, you know, for a team that doesn't run. Um, and we've seen him do things in the half court. And he had a shot last night against Wake where he was down on the block and he moved to the middle and a little soft shot left That was a, That was an off an offensive rebound. That uh, was like an old school jump hook kind of, yeah, off the offensive rebound. He, he's so, almost just an old school kind of player. He really he plays. is, yeah. Yeah, so, so it, it's just a contest. I can't figure out who I got a bigger man crush on, him or Hunter Couture, you know, and and Jalen Cohn's right behind him, you know. So I'm having a blast watching these guys. And in the Duke game, so 18 points for Radford. Kevin Aluma went toe to toe with Matthew Hurt. I mean, a great matchup down low. He finished with 17 points and seven rebounds. Uh, Justin Mutz, uh, nine points, five boards against the Blue Devils, and then 
Jalen Cone with 14 points off the bench against Duke. And so, yeah, it, it, was, it was a good win. But I think, Chris, you bring up a good point just to emphasize this before we move on and talk about Wake. Yes, it's Duke, but it is a game that a lot of people it's, expected Virginia Tech to win. It's not a quadrant one win. And, and look, we're talking NCAA tournament here. If we're talking what the the tools the NCAA committee uses, and Duke is right now is a quadrant three win because I, I don't know what their their net ranking is after the weekend, but after the Tech game, it was 96th in the country. And quadrant one wins at home, you have to be a top 30 team. And then I think it's a top 50 team if it's on a neutral site and a top 75 team if you're on the road. Right. So Duke would have to move up six over 60 spots for that to be a quadrant one win, which is probably not going to happen. I expect there'll be a quadrant two win. But, uh, when it's all said and done. When it's all said yeah. and done. Uh, but that this is this is not, not – I'm not saying don't enjoy it or anything like that, but it doesn't mean – as much in terms of Virginia Tech's NCAA tournament resume this year. And I know you're. It, it's like, oh, Virginia Tech's beaten three top 25 teams this year. Well, the NCAA tournament committee does not use the AP top 25 yeah. poll as their yeah. judge. They, they use the net ratings, uh, as they should, because, like, there, there are no emotions involved in those numbers, yeah. right? There's an input and there's an output. And uh, Duke will improve. Their, their number will go up. Um, I, I'm glad Virginia Tech played them when they did instead of in March. Um, yeah. But that's not going to be some sort of, oh, man, that might tech, make Tech a five seed instead of a seven seed or something like that. So, it's, but it's, but uh, I will say this. It was pivotal because uh, Tech had beaten – at that point, Tech had beaten Villanova, and they'd beaten Clemson, you know, which yeah. Clemson's a really good basketball team this year, this weekend's result yeah. notwithstanding. But – for Virginia Tech basketball fans, beating Clemson in basketball doesn't make your skirt fly up. You know, Clemson's a better team than Duke this year so far. So that Clemson win is a bigger win, but fans appreciate the win over sure. Duke more. So you look at Tech right now, and they're 5-1 and one in the ACC. If they had lost that game to Duke and still beaten Wake, they'd be 4-2. and two. And that's not as, you know, if Glamorous you look at, if you look at the ACC standings today, UVA is 5-0 and oh at the top. Virginia Tech is 5-1, and one, half game behind them, and that's how they're listed. Tech is number two in the ACC right now. I think Tech and UVA are the only teams with five wins. Um, right. Tech is the only team in the ACC with, I think, 10-plus wins. They've got 11 overall. They're 11-2. and two. So it, it was just – it was an important game to keep the momentum going. And we'll talk a little bit more about Virginia Tech here. Yes, I know it is January 18th, and yes, the NCAA tournament is March, but Chris wrote a very compelling and interesting article about what Virginia Tech's resume looks like in mid-January in terms of the NCAA tournament, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's transition from Duke, though. I do want to spend a good amount of time talking about Sunday's road win for Virginia Tech at Wake Forest. And one thing that David Cunningham pointed out, this is Virginia Tech's first road win of the season. Think about it because first the, true road win. First yeah. true road win because the Villanova, that, that, the USF, that was on a neutral site floor. And Louisville was on the road, right? And Louisville's on the road, but it won a win. So this was the yeah. first true road win for Tech. 64 uh, 60, the final score. A couple of notes in the box score Tyrese Radford with 20 points, only four rebounds, but he was six of seven from the floor. 13 points for Justin Mutz and 13 points for David, excuse me, rather, 13 points for Hunter Couture and 13 points for David Gassan, the freshman off the bench. Well, at points, this game was ugly at times. Virginia Tech had nine blocks in this game, played solid defense, 
What do you make of the win on Sunday for the Hokies? Wow, I, I could go on for probably five minutes. Um, I kept looking at the stats, particularly at the end of the first half, and it was so weird because Tech was shooting 47% and Wake was shooting like 23%. Tech had nine blocks, and yet it was a six-point game at the half, and you're going, where is this coming from? And where it was coming from was Wake had, I believe at halftime, something like 11 offensive rebounds. It was It was a lot. And they had out they had outscored Virginia Tech, I believe, nine nothing or eleven nothing in second chance points, and that's all it was. Is that Wake was getting offensive rebounds and uh, getting second chance points, and also with Tech's nine blocks, somebody on Twitter said, "Yeah, and they're all going out of bounds, and Wake's getting possession again." So mm-hmm. it looks it looks neat in the box score, and I think it was David that pointed out a really interesting stat that. The, the men and women both played Wake yesterday. Tex women had nine first-half blocks and zero second-half blocks. And Tex men had nine first-half blocks wow. and zero second-half blocks. Wow. So, so the, by the way, the, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was David that pointed that out because um, uh, he's one of those stats guys. Or maybe, who knows, maybe Damian Salas. Let me give Damian Salas credit. Well, you'll probably hear from him on YouTube if it's him. <laughs> um, but the question came up, so file this one away, folks. The question came up, what's the record for blocks in a game? And it's 15. It happened in 1993 and 2009, I think. <laughs> uh, Coastal Carolina in 93 and uh, um, VMI, I believe, in, in 2009. So that, that record was in danger, and then the second half happened. And, and I think, and, and we can keep talking about this game, but I think Wake is pretty well coached. I think Steve they, Forbes uh, sounds to be a good hire. They, I think they play harder than they did before like uh they have no idea what they're doing out there particularly offensively i think they took so many bad shots last night but they they just play harder and play tougher and they have a better mentality than they did before yeah Uh, and i I think you can you can see that um like if danny manning was still coaching them like tech would have beat them 30 uh, last yeah that would have been a huge not not only would they have been dysfunctional but they just they wouldn't have played anywhere near as hard they would have just rolled right over um, so they're going to be a tough route in the future. Um, they're in a tough spot because they went. They only get the only game they played in the month of December was on December thirty first. They missed a month. Yeah. A month. Like Forbes was hired a month later than everybody else because mm-hmm. I guess they wanted to save money on Danny Manning's buyout, and then they missed a month. So you've got a brand new team learning a brand new system, and then you you know, sweep the rugs right out from under their legs, you know? And so they're way behind. They're like uh, Duke from that standpoint, except they don't have quite as much, you know, talent as Duke, obviously. Uh, And, you know, UVA, we've seen come back with a vengeance now because they have experienced players. They don't have a bunch of freshmen out there on the court, and they have experienced players who have played in that system. They got taken out of rhythm by, by missing a couple of weeks. Um, but it's not going to have any long-term side effects on them. It had short-term side effects. Wake Forest, missing a whole month when you're trying to implement a new system. Yeah. Virginia Tech defense this year in football. Football, yeah. I mean, that, that's just what happens, you know, when you, when you miss so much time and you're trying to learn a brand But, new but they're, they're keeping things close through sheer effort. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and, for sure. And, and I think uh, – I, I don't know enough about basketball to say what adjustments Forbes made, but, uh, you know, they – they played better in the second half. They did a better job. Well, I think I do think in the first half, Tech was just the tougher team. I thought Tech could have been up by twenty at halftime. They just missed a ton of open shots. Yeah, I mean, 
I think they just clearly outplayed Wake. They were tougher, and they and they just outplayed them. I, I think I do think Wake was stronger with the ball. I think when when you get your shot blocked nine times in one half, it's because you're not playing tough enough, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. And so I just don't think Wake was a tough-minded team in the first half, and they were they were much better there in the second half. I, I'll, I'll sum up one of one of the big storylines of the game is when when Jalen Cohn. Naheem Aline and Keve Aluma combined to go two of seventeen, yeah. and you still win the basketball game. You'll take it. Then, then you've got a pretty deep team that you can count on. Different that, guys contributing. That, that, real quick, jump in. I mean, again, only five points for Aluma, no points for Jalen Cohn. Is that a cause for concern, or is uh, that a one-time thing? I think Wake Forest did a much, much better job on him than other teams have. But you know, let's also go back and. And point out the fact that Jalen Cohn scored zero points against Clemson. Did he really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so him going off for twenty a game is very much a new. It's like a three or four game thing. You know, it wasn't. You know, I know he missed the first two or three game, three games of the season. I think. Um, so that's not going to happen every night. Ultimately, he's a five ten shooting guard. So you can't expect him to score twenty points every single night. That's just not not realistic. Now, now that said, he was 0-4 last night, and and some of the shots he missed are shots he is he's made in in recent games. Well, sure, yeah. but but I mean, he <laughs> takes he takes the same shots every game anyway. Right. So of course, and, and yeah. some nights they'll go in, and some they won't. Right. Yeah, and this was the first time for Keve Aluma, though. You look at his numbers uh, throughout the season; he's been double figures to almost every game, and only scores five points. But he, he have struggled. eleven or twelve rebounds. But he did have eleven rebounds yeah, and right. four blocks. Right. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and so two assists. He struggled against Louisville too. Um, so he's he's been kind of up and down. I thought he struggled with his hands last night. That was the biggest thing. There were a couple times he, he did. You know, he's he, I don't know. People are focusing on him more now than they were in, in the beginning of the season. Uh, but this is why you have a whole team of players. And I think we talked on the podcast earlier this year about there being multiple players on this team who are capable of scoring in double figures on any given night. Yeah. Uh, and, and who knew that David Gasson was one of them? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, like we got. 13 from Hunter Couture last night, which is not a surprise. But right. when Gasson scores 13, it is a surprise. I told you Gasson's going to be a good player. I tell yeah, let's you, go ahead and transition that. and talk about him real quick because the, the, the two big names of this first recruiting class for Mike Young are Joe Bamasil and, and Darius, Darius Maddox. Maddox. Two guards that I think are going to have great careers, but they're just a couple of uh, players a little bit more experienced who get more minutes than them right now. And David Gasson from the Netherlands, a three-star recruit. Uh, played well, I thought, in flashes against Duke. Mm-hmm. And then against Wake Forest, Gasson in just 14 minutes, 5 of 5 from the field, 3 of 3 at the charity stripe, 13 points off the bench. Yeah. Uh, it's, he, he, is, he has been, uh, um, in addition to playing well himself, his teammates have set him up well. I can't remember if it was – I don't think it was the Wake game. I think it was the Duke game where Mutz was, was Mutz out pass. around the free throw line and just – Squeaked a pass down to Gasson standing under the basket. Uh, I thought one of the biggest things was when he had the the two and one plays right out of the box. Um, he's like back to back possessions, weren't they? Very I think close so. Yeah. He's skinny, and those were physical plays. You know, I'm not saying he elbowed. He absorbs contact. Yeah. Well. So once they he really gets to working under mm-hmm. David Jackson in the weight room, he's just going to get better and better. It, and and you get to the aluminum thing, Chris. You said that more and more people are paying more and more attention to him. And I think as the season goes on, that has opened things up for Mutz and opened things up for Gasson. Yeah, that's certainly possible. Um, I think Gasson is one of those guys. That's like you said, once he hits the weight room, he's got a chance to be really good. Like he's his ceiling is higher than Aluma, and his ceiling is higher than Mutz. 
Um, he's also skilled. I mean, that turnaround jumper he hit with a shot clock winding down, yep. and he can dribble. I mean, uh, he's 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 going to be a four man who can actually put it on the floor and beat you off the dribble. That's who he's going to be uh, at, at his peak. He was under recruited because he's from the Netherlands, and you know I, I don't know how they. I think he spent the last year here, and his brother actually played for Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State. Hmm. Um, he's under recruited and underrated, and nobody ever heard of him because. You know, I don't, I don't know what they do in the Netherlands for basketball events, but I'm guessing it doesn't involve, you know, a few dozen college coaches and a hundred scouts and and right. twelve teams playing all in one arena in the same day, yeah. right? So he he escaped all that when uh, or not escaped, but he uh, he didn't have as many eyes on him playing yeah. playing over there. And I, I know he did come in over here and play here as a senior, I think, but. Uh, you know, normal. A lot of these guys get start getting noticed when they're fourteen, fifteen years old, and he just didn't have those eyes on him. Yeah. But if he had, then he might have been rated just as high because he's an extremely skilled player. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, we've talked about him before. Chris has said it in articles not to expect much from him this year. Come back, but John Ogiaco did play two minutes yesterday. Uh, did have a dunk. Just seeing him back out on the floor, Chris. Did you see? Did he put on any muscle? I, kind of thought, I, I, I was saying that, that kind of sarcastic. I mean, he, he looks different from last he year. Lo- Dude hit the weight room. I don't know when he got hurt. I don't know where he spent his summer in terms of quarantine. But wherever he was, clearly he had clearly had access to a weight room. Yeah. So that dude worked his. He did quarantine right. He did quarantine right. I love uh, that. There's no pressure for him to come back. You know that that yeah he can take his time with that injury and and not get rushed back, you know, and then they still got plenty of production. And, and, they, and they got a couple of guys mostly sitting on the bench, Darius Maddox and Joe Bamisil, who will be very productive players in the future. Bamisil was technically the first – not Bamisil. Maddox was technically the first player off the bench last night. Yeah. When uh, Radford, Radford got, got poked, poked in the, in the eye. eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, then, and Mike Young says he's seen Gasson and Maddox in practice recently take steps forward. And that's why – you know, you've actually seen Maddox on the floor the last couple games in non-garbage time situations. And that's why one of the reasons Gasson's time is going up, the other, you know, which is pencils out with an injury, with a back injury. But Mike Young said he's seen progress from those two guys in practice. And and now you see it on the court, too, because they're actually out there. Um, Bamasil's behind them. He didn't get to play his senior year of high school. The guy basically hadn't played in two years, and then – you're making the adjustment to the ACC level and, you know, who knows who's been out with COVID and who hasn't in preseasons and things like that. I don't, I don't know. But it's thrown his development out of, off track. And teams with a bunch of freshmen, I mean, Duke this year for, yeah. you know, uh, Kentucky, teams like that. It's not the year of the freshmen in college basketball. No. Let's, let's put it that way. So – I'm I'm pleased we can br- I'll bring all those guys along slowly. Look, David Gasson's a good basketball player. David Gasson would be starting for Wake Forest. He barely plays for Tech. He'd be starting for Wake Forest. So uh, I I think it's 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 good that we're able to bring these guys along at an appropriate level rather than having having to play them 30 minutes a game, like some past Tech freshman. Like remember that remember when Ahmed Hill was a freshman, and it was that. Buzz team that it was Buzz's first season. They went two and sixteen in the ACC, and Med was out there thirty minutes a game. Yeah, nowhere close to being ready. But look what he turned into by the end of his career. Yeah. Um, 
And he did redshirt. I'm at Hill redshirt. There you go. Yeah, right. real quick, we talk about nutrition and how important it is to take care of your body. It makes Chris Coleman, I think, very happy to recognize Ogiaco. Just OG two thumbs Aka. up from Chris Coleman. Okay. Can, we, can okay. we get the stamp of approval, Chris? I, okay, I like Ogiaco, and I'm going to go with another foreign kid here. And Ogiaco, they're doing a timeout in Castle Coliseum one time. They, uh, they do these little trivia things up on the video board. Mm-hmm. and They were going and asking all the Tech basketball players if they preferred cake or cookies, right? Typical American question. And so they put Ojiako on there and asked him if he preferred cake or cookies. And he's like, neither. They're bad for you. <laughs> I like fruits and vegetables. That's what he said. I'm, I believe him. Right. I remember he was very honest in how he said it. He wasn't yeah, joking. Exactly. So I'm telling you, man, that, that guy takes things seriously and approaches yeah. things real, like real he quick, should. You know, again, he's coming off the injuries, hardly played this year. Will, we talk about the depth of this team and, I mean, gosh, you think about even some of the buzz teams. If you lose a player like Cordell Pemsel on a buzz squad with that short of bench, it's a big loss. But you've got a deep bench now. My question, though, about Ojiako, do you see when he's healthy a, a role for him on this team in the future? Might not even be this year, but years to follow. Do you see him fitting in? You know, I, I just haven't seen it, uh, seen him play enough in his career. You know, if you, if you, if you go calculate all the minutes, it's probably not a lot. Um, the, the, I think the key, and, and you can pitch in here and tell me what you think, can he catch the ball in the low post and pass back out? Does he fit into what Mike Young wants to do offensively and as a team philosophy? Yeah, I definitely think he's a major contributor before his career is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got to stay I, I healthy think, for I think the stretches. hands are good. Clearly the body's good. I think the hands are good. So if he takes I the I think teaching, his mentality's there. Right. I think it's all there, yeah. All right, let's quickly talk about what's coming up next for Virginia Tech men's basketball. This coming Wednesday, they are home against Boston College, a 5 o'clock tip from Castle Coliseum. And then the Hokies will go to Syracuse on Saturday inside of the Carrier Dome. Next week, they're at Notre Dame on a Wednesday. And next Saturday, they're at 18th-ranked UVA. Chris, is this a No, wait a minute. Is that UVA game, a game at home or on the road? Because I looked last night. I thought the UVA game was at home. I think that's at home. I don't believe, You're right. I don't think yeah. they've officially made up the January 2nd postponement. Mike Young, I think, said what date it was going to be, but I don't think, it's, I don't think it's official. Okay. Yeah. Well, because because so you're good. not going to find it. Yep. No, I think I think I wrote it down incorrect. So uh, they're going to host BC on uh, Wednesday. Is it? You're correct. So I'm sorry. So they home against Boston College this Wednesday at Syracuse Saturday at Notre Dame next Wednesday and home against Virginia. Let me clarify: home against Virginia next Saturday, January 30th, six okay. o'clock okay. tip inside of Castle Coliseum on the ACC Network. All right, and, All right, and so then at Pitt and at Miami. So once they host Boston College, four out of the next five are on the road. So so Boston College. What's, what's, at Syracuse. I, I don't want to take I don't want to take anything for granted this year, but no, you really don't. But Boston College, let's go ahead and say go out go out on that limb and say that's going to be a win, right? So yeah, that's, BBC is three and ten overall, one and six in the ACC. Yes, the, and and, and, and this is how I knew Duke isn't any good. Boston College took them down to the wire. Yeah, yeah, right. And that that was a that kind of tip, y'all. Syracuse yeah. is seven and four, but they're one and three in league play. And I believe, if I saw this correctly, they gave up close to sixty points in the second half of their game over the weekend. I saw a, a Jim Beheim clip. Beheim said, "I saw this on the ACC network." Beheim said that is the worst defensive performance he's seen in his, in his entire time at Syracuse, which I think they said spans forty five years. And which as means, an assistant and a head coach, <laughs> who were they playing? 
I don't, I don't even remember who it was. I, I could tap the button. And that find means the out. next game is going to be their best defense. They played Buffalo. They won. Buffalo. I'm sorry. No, no. What? I'm what? Sorry. It's when there's so many postponements oh, on the schedule. Right. I got to keep scrolling. I apologize. I yeah. thought that was. Uh, they lost at Pitt 96 76. Pitt. Pitt, so, Pitt is. Uh, oh, they're better Pitt. for sure. Yeah. Syracuse had won three in a row. Then they had two games postponed, and they're one in four since that, coming back. They that, lost to Pitt at home. Then they beat Georgetown. Then they lost at UNC, and they lost at Pitt. That's going to be a very, very strange game going up there and playing in that cavernous carrier dome with no fans. With no fans. Yeah, I'd rather them just go play the game at like a high school. Uh, where we actually have some depth of field or whatever. Um, <laughs> that, yeah. So real quick, at Syracuse, and then Will, they're at Notre Dame. At Notre Dame. Okay. Who they've already beaten. Mm-hmm. And then Virginia, followed yeah. by Pittsburgh and Miami. So to me, I again, you can't take anything for granted, but Will, to me, that seems like a very favorable stretch test against Syracuse. you got to go on the road to Notre Dame. I mean, they've got Leshevsky. I mean, that's still a test down low. I, I, but I, I think it's going to get really tough with that UVA and at Pitt and at Miami stretch. That that. That you know, zero and three is possible. And assuming mine is a talented likes, team, like we saw the, what they did. Who was it they beat this weekend? Uh, I can't Louisville. Remember. They beat Louisville this week. Let's see. What, so let's Miami's see what capable. Says. Um, they're six and six right now, two and five in league play. But as but they got said, the Wong kid, and and he's really really good. He's he like, he apparently went off this weekend at he's thirty ca- points. He's capable. He can do that any night. Um, I think. The first half of Tech's ACC schedule was more manageable than the second half. Yeah, I was actually looking at the Ken Palm. You know, you can pull up the schedule on Ken uh, Pomeroy's site and it goes down by each game and lists the opponents. Ken Pomeroy ranking. And it predicts next based to, on his rankings. It's right? a predictive yeah. rating system. But yeah, the second half of Tech's ACC schedule is much more difficult than the first half. Yeah. That being said, there's only like two teams this year that I really fear in the ACC. Florida State's one. Of course. And Virginia's the other. Virginia, we're finally seeing what why they were picked preseason number one. They yeah. just missed so much time. Yeah. Um, uh, you, uh, what they did to Clemson this past week. Clemson's number one in the country in defensive efficiency. That game, that game was 31-7 to seven right. at one and point in the first I half. I believe I saw that was the biggest margin of victory – and for a, a team against an AP top twenty-five, like so, two ranked matchups on the road. It's the most lot correct, the most lopsided win for a ranked team against a ranked team in AP poll history. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest with you, I know Tech fans don't have. I still think UVA is capable of winning a national championship this year. They have that talent. Well, you know, they have an experienced point guard. You know, they they have a lot of good good pieces, but but uh, Kihei Clark is really the guy that I you know guard play becomes so important in the NCAA tournament, and he's a guy that I really think could take him there. Real quick. Looking big picture here, this schedule. So let's go next Saturday. Home against Virginia, at Pitt, at Miami, home against Florida State, mm. home against Louisville, at North Carolina, at Florida State, <laughs> then Georgia Tech and Wake, and then North Carolina State. That's how they finish the season. So that is a that's a difficult that's a stretch. stretch. That's a stretch of five you. or six games yeah, in yeah. a row. Now, so win as many as you can now. Because yeah, they're going to be yeah. harder to come by in the second half of the season. Louisville home is the one, man. The, they got they got to break. There, that or there, there's only two things on my Virginia Tech basketball checklist that you know we've bro- broken down so many barriers since since the school joined the ACC. There's two things they haven't done: they beat Louisville on the road, or in, in general. general. That's right. They haven't beaten them since 19, 1991. 1991. Okay. Seventeen in a row. So all right. So I think that's going to happen this year. I think they're going to beat Louisville at home. I hope you're right. Uh, 
The other thing that hasn't happened since you can probably tell me the last time, but winning at Florida State. Wow. The Henson Heave. That was really? Before Is I that was, the last time? I, I don't know. I was asking you. Yeah. Uh, I mean. It's hard to pull up opponent history on a phone. Right. Sure. So um, if you could. But, but I know that Tech hasn't won there since they joined the ACC. Wow. So that's not going to happen this year, most I, likely. I, I hate seeing Florida State <laughs> on the schedule. I just hate it. Yeah. They're, they're so big. Such a big team. But always have good guard play too. Well, and, and I thought uh, Buzz's last year in the ACC tournament, I just thought Florida State. Oh, that just, was a that was they, a tough loss. They played out of their butts in that game. Well, they, they had the they lucky were, shot at the end. Remember, well, there was like that running floater off the glass at the horn. That, that and was and a, they were tossing stuff in from the ocean before that, you know. And I, I see. So, yeah, I mean, you play Florida State without Justin Robinson. Yeah, yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Real quick, a look at the ACC standings: Virginia five and zero. Virginia Tech, half game back, as Will pointed out earlier, they're five and one a half game back. And then Virginia Tech's the only team in the ACC that has double-digit wins at this point overall in the season. And uh, this is a big stretch coming up for the Hokies. Uh, we're about 45 minutes in. I want to spend just quickly a couple of points, and then we'll transition. I know for those that want to talk about football, we've got a lot to get to. We've got your questions. But um, I, I was listening to uh, John Rothstein of CBS Sports do a podcast last week, and I thought he brought up a really excellent point when talking about Virginia Tech. And I always like hearing what Rothstein has to say because that guy knows every team. I mean, Power 5, Group of 5, inside and out, and he's very passionate, and he did the Mike Young, Orville, Redbacher. You know, anyways, he's he's on the bandwagon. But um, he was pointing out that this Virginia Tech team is comprised of and is winning a lot of games with mid-major talent. I mean, think about it. Kevin Aluma played at Wofford. Recruited to Wofford. Hunter Couture is recruited to be the next Fletcher McGee at Wofford. At Wofford. Justin Mutz began his career at high point. Which is actually a low, low major. major yeah. Then De- went to a De- mid-major at Delaware and then transferred to Virginia Tech. And, and those were just three of the main guys he was talking about. And you think about it. I mean, it's really true. He, he brought up a point that those three, and especially like guys like Hunter Couture, are playing over top 100 guards and guys like Darius Maddox and Joe Bamaseal. So I just found that very interesting to think about that Virginia Tech is a half game back of first place in the ACC, and they're doing it with guys that weren't initially recruited to play in the ACC. Yeah, um, basketball recruiting is so much different than football recruiting. Uh, There can be just so little difference when it comes to basketball recruits. Like, uh, Justin Robinson was a three-star recruit. Right. You know, you wouldn't know it by looking at his career. He turned out to be a borderline NBA player. He actually ended up playing in nine NBA games. He's in the G League right now, too. he's in the G League now. So, uh, yeah. uh, There is a lot of that. But, you know, that's that's how Tony Bennett built his program. It's not like he went into UVA recruiting top 100 kids. Well, I've said this before. One of the more interesting things I heard about, you know, the the Tony Bennett hire was that UVA finally quit trying to beat North Carolina and Duke at their own game and and hired a system coach, a guy who recruits guys who fit. And I see Mike Young the same way. So, you know, the fact that Hunter Couture wasn't recruited by ACC programs is, is the fault of the ACC programs. Yeah. He's a glue guy. He's 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 very smart, and um, he just does so many things well. He shoots well. Um, defensively, his his on ball defense is just getting better and better. His off ball defense is is phenomenal. He had two blocks last night, right? One of them was a one on one situation. He <laughs> yeah, just flat stuffed crazy. the guy. 
And and so he is a guy that should be playing on ACC teams, and he would play for a guy like Tony Bennett, you know. But but ACC coaches they fall in love with the athleticism and the top one fifty moniker and all that. And I that's mean, who they want to stuff their teams. If with. Mike Shashevsky wants to win another national championship before he retires, and he needs to have a bunch of four year Hunter Couture's and Jalen Cones and and Alumas and, and things yeah. like that. Yes, I mean you, you. There's a certain level Duke can recruit at. I'm thankful that. Duke is doing it like they are because right. if Mike Shashevsky was doing it like he used to be doing it, then you know maybe he drops down one level and instead of taking uh, oh gosh, he was a freshman point guard tech or Duke had that couldn't shoot Trey Jones, yeah, who's yeah. still the first round pick, right? Still a first round pick, great <laughs> defender and all that, but like could never won a national championship at Duke. What if like what if Coach K had recruited Justin Robinson? instead and what if that that zion williamson team at the end had had a senior point guard justin robinson justin robinson i know well i know virginia tech wouldn't have been in the sweet 16 if that had happened yeah then duke yeah, i mean maybe that is the best team just by having a senior point guard you know college basket it's just so that's why i actually like college basketball more than college football now. well the last national championship game played was between texas tech and uva right it no, wasn't was kentucky a, it wasn't right. north carolina it wasn't syracuse right it wasn't Duke. Uh, there are multiple ways to win think about that final a four high that level yeah and in, in college basketball and there's i mean winning at a high level in college football it's just about having. There's the only best one players. way to do it. <laughs> look, look we, we were talking about this when you were in the other room, and so let's think about this from an NBA perspective, or, or excuse me, an NFL perspective. So Bill Belichick's a Hall of Fame coach, right? And as soon as his best quarterback in history leaves, he doesn't even make the playoffs. How about that? Right. Uh, Mike McCarthy was a longtime coach of the Packers. As it turns out, he wasn't a very good coach, and Aaron Rodgers. Lifted him was a generational player. Was a, is a right? Uh, is was generational talent and the Packers. A Packers fan, and I think this is one of the reasons I quit watching. And I guess I should get back into. You need it to now. get back. I'm telling but you. But their passing game concepts were terrible. They had no concept of defense. They were an absolute mess, and they were still winning. You know, ten, eleven games every year because Aaron Rodgers was awesome. Right, and you could clearly see it. And boom, McCarthy finally got fired. He goes to the Cowboys and look at that mess he has down there. Like, like. So is he the head coach down there now? No, oh. I will say now. Grant, I mean, Prescott got hurt. They they dealt with a ton of injuries this year, but yes, he, but, he they were struggling before right, he got right, hurt. Right. To give him a little bit of the credit. only way to win in college football at a high level, high high elite level, is to get better players than everybody else. Yeah. College basketball is there are multiple ways to get good players and there are multiple systems and i think if you enjoy parity it's just a much much better sport than college football yeah i know you know and and to to bring this back around to virginia tech i think they currently have uh one recruit in their current recruiting class uh, sean padula and he is not a he's probably not a guy that would get recruited by any other acc program but our guy GC Hokey thirty four loves him. Says he will have a great career at Virginia Tech. Uh, quickly, Chris, sixty seconds because we're running a little over on time, and I I, pre, I teased it earlier. I want to make sure we get to it. You wrote an article last week on TechSideline.com, uh, Virginia Tech's NCAA tournament resume at the midway point in January. For those that didn't get a chance to read, what did you take away? How many Quadrant One wins? How impressive is their resume Tech right Tech now? Tech is two and one in Quadrant One games. Uh, so they beat Clemson and they beat Villanova. 
And as I said earlier, quadrant one is top 30 wins at home, top 50 it may, it may wins be top on neutral 35, court. No, it's top 30. 30, okay, yep. top 30. And, and then top 75 on the road. Okay. And top 50 neutral. Um, so, and, so they beat Villanova and Clemson, and they lost to Louisville. Um, I think they've only played one quadrant two game. And that was against Penn State. That didn't go too well, but I, I think they're like uh, they're they're like nine and zero or ten and zero. Yes, now that in, would put them. That would put them nine and zero. Quadrants three and four. Three and four, right? So uh, and yes, Duke was a quadrant three win, yeah. and Wake Forest last night was a quadrant three win. I think. Really? Well, they might. Maybe they're. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it was on the road. It was on the road. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, they just this team has not been. I'm not going to say they haven't been challenged because they did play Villanova, but that was a long time ago. But they haven't exactly – like the reason Clemson is is the highest seed right now out of the ACC, well, before the UVA game, is because they had only played like two teams that were were quadrant three or four, right? And Tech's played eight or nine or something like that. So uh, Tech's schedule has not been challenging. Um, Tech Tech is a solid basketball team, don't get me wrong. But – they haven't run the gauntlet yet. Well, to me, the big thing is they haven't slipped up, except, right. except for the Penn State game, but they haven't slipped up. Right, right. Um, and uh, But, you know, there's not going to be – it's not like this is like a deep, strong ACC. Like there's, like I said, there's only – I'm not saying Tech is not going to lose any more ACC games except for these two, these two teams because that, that won't happen. But there's only two teams where I look at and I'm like, yeah, we just don't have a great chance to win either one of those, and that's, that's UVA and Florida State. Florida State, yeah. I just looked up Penn State's record. They are currently 3-5 and five and 13th in the Big Ten. L- so look, look how many close games they've had. They have. They really have. Uh, but uh, right now not looking like a terrific loss at the no, moment. It's so, not a terrific so, uh, loss. One more basketball note before we before we go to the break. So um, I've been opining on the podcast that so many games being on the ACC network has limited Tech fans' ability to see them and has reduced interest in the program. Um so I put a Twitter poll out this morning before I left the house, and I said, question for the Hokies fan base. Have you been able to watch the men's basketball games on the ACC network? And we we're already up to almost 1,100 votes in the Twitter poll, and 86% of people responding said they have been able to watch the games on the ACC I network. I put that poll on our subscriber board, and that was probably about the, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, some people haven't pulled the plug on Comcast, and that, that seemed to be the – the the no is eleven percent. That's it. And then the others are haven't tried. Don't don't know. Um, so that that's more people than I would have thought that are able to watch the Hokies on the ACC network. I'm I'm glad you read the numbers on that poll. We're just getting started here. Episode one hundred six three of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're going to step aside for a break, but when we come back, we talk about uh, Virginia Tech football, some news on the coaching staff, some news from the transfer portal, and then we'll get to your questions on YouTube Live. You're watching and listening to episode 163 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center, Anytime Fitness, and Campus Emporium. Welcome back in episode 163 of the Tech Sideline Podcast alongside of Chris Coleman, Will Stewart behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, I'm Evan Hughes. Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Anytime Fitness, the Southeast Regional Training Center, and Campus Emporium. 
They're proud to sponsor the TSL community. A portion of every sale is returned to Virginia Tech in support of its endowment for excellence, student programming, and need-based scholarships. We have been serving the Virginia Tech community for over 25 years from our locations in Blacksburg and our online store. Please visit the number one source for Virginia Tech merchandise at CampusEmporium.com or come see us at 207 North Main Street or 1337 South Main Street. Our featured item on today's podcast is currently being worn on the right hand of one Will Stewart. For our listeners, what are you wearing, Will? I am wearing Virginia Tech fleece gloves by 47 Brand. So here's the description. These Virginia Tech fleece gloves feature a polyester material on the thumbs and palms to help enhance your grip. Yep, you can see that's a little black thing. Elastic wrist cuffs to keep the snow out. And includes a clip to keep the gloves together. So in case you buy this for your kids. <laughs> size or to fit, me. Or, yeah, that's my problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> size to fit men's hands, 100% polyester, and they are 20 bucks. So we will drop the link for these into the... Uh, video description so check them out and many thanks to campus emporium so great to have you with us here episode 163 of the tech sideline podcast just spent about 50 minutes talking about virginia tech men's basketball improving to 11 and 2 transition from hokey hoops to hokey football where there have been news not only through the transfer portal but the coaching staff and that's where we begin Former Minnesota head coach and Virginia Tech's linebackers coach for the last year, Tracy Clays announced last week that he is retiring as a position coach. Former All-ACC linebacker at Virginia Tech, Jack Tyler, who's had a prominent role in the Virginia Tech program for the last couple of years as a defensive quality control coach, has been promoted from within to the linebacker coach role. Chris, is this a good decision for the program? That's the, the certainly what I expected. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, think, we actually expected this. Yeah, like, I don't think anybody ever thought Tracy Clay's. I thought he would be here one year, two years tops. Right, and that Jack Tyler was the likely successor. Tyler's one of the smartest linebackers Tech has ever had. Uh, he's got and one of the better tacklers. Yeah, man. That absolutely. Dude's a tackler. Yeah, man. Yeah, and so he got his start under Bud Foster as a player. Then under Bud Foster as a GA and then a quality control coach. Um, was he defensive coordinator in a game this year? I believe it was the Duke game. It was never official, <laughs> but the the rumblings were that right. he was calling plays. Yeah, he was like the third or fourth string defensive coordinator this year, I think. And the Tech actually had yeah, they had Ryan Smith in right. one or two games. Right. Then they had uh, uh, you know they had Ryan Smith the first game, and then boom, he got COVID right, contact right. tracing or whatever, and. Uh, I'm not surprised. I think Jack's ready to be a coach, no question. Like, yeah. Now, the concern you can have, it's not about Jack Tyler, the individual, or Daryl Tapp, or Justin Hamilton, or Ryan Smith as individuals. This is a fact, collectively, it's such a young group. They are young, yes. Right. So that's a possible concern. I, I, I would anticipate a defensive analyst hire coming here soon mm-hmm. to, to help guide those guys. And, and so you can ask yourself the question, well, why didn't Tracy Clay's that guy? Well, Tracy wants to be a defensive coordinator again, I think. He either wants to be a defensive coordinator or he wants to be retired. Yeah, he, he so. was he, so he was the second highest paid assistant on the staff. Uh, Hamilton makes 600 and Clay's was making 500. And he was he was a pretty much an invisible man this past year, but come to find out the reason he was invisible was he was off working out. He lost 125 pounds. Yeah. He said on Twitter, I think. Yeah, I saw that. Man, yeah. he lost Good a person. Him. He lost my daughter in the course of the <laughs> year. 
<laughs> so, um, you know, this is all kind of what we expected. And I would – I'm not saying I know anything or anything's imminent, but I would keep your eyes peeled for a defensive analyst hire. Um, you know, Tyler, by the way, looking at his, some of his credentials, I mean, I remember how great of a player he was, but then you think back to – he was part of squads that compiled 37 wins during his playing careers, 4-0 against Virginia, played in the 2010 – ACC championship game, all ACC linebacker. And the quote from Coach Fuente, the quotes from from Jack Tyler, I mean, you know, this sounds like this is a role that he's really wanted to have at some point where to coach linebackers at his alma mater. Yeah, he said that's why he got into coaching, so here he is. And sometimes, sometimes if somebody wants something bad enough, it's better to give them the job than a guy with maybe a deeper resume because they're going to work harder at it. Yeah. And – so Tyler's going to work extremely hard at it. The, the one play of Jack Tyler's career. I know career, exactly what you're going to talk about. Do you? Go ahead. The safety against Florida State. The safety against Florida State. Oh, man. Like, Jack Tyler was such a good athlete when it comes to acceleration. And I think that Florida State guy went on to the NFL, that running back, and Jack Tyler just ran that dude down like he was running in sand. Did they wind up overturning that and saying no. it wasn't a safety, or did it stand? It stood. It stood, yeah. Well, that that game, that game is one Virginia Tech should have won. Twenty twelve, is that right? Yeah, yeah, late in the season. Transition to talk about the uh, again. There were a couple of big pieces of news last week. We start with the coaching staff. Let's transition to the transfer portal, where Virginia Tech got two commitments: one from the defensive side of the ball, one from the offensive side of the ball. And Texas A&M quarterback Connor Blumreck, six foot five, two hundred fifteen pound quarterback, has announced his commitment to Virginia Tech. Uh, the quarterback has also played running back and tight end in his career against 6'5", 215 pounds. Of course, at Texas A&M, Kellen Mond has been the starting quarterback the last couple of years. He's going to be a high draft pick in this year's NFL draft if he declares. So he was behind a really good quarterback playing under Jimbo Fisher. They finished fifth in the college football playoff rankings, just missed the playoff. Chris, obviously, Hendon Hooker's now at Tennessee. Quincy Patterson's at North Dakota State. Three quarterbacks in the room, uh, Taj Bullock, Knox Kadem, and Braxton Burmeister. Do you expect Blumrick to compete for the starting quarterback job this coming uh, camp? I don't know because I don't know anything about the guy. Like It's not like the guy's ever played. Just that so, he's really popular yeah. with his teammates. Yeah, like, and he came highly – now what I do like is he came highly recommended to Justin Fuente from Daryl Dickey, the Texas A&M offensive coordinator who was Justin Fuente's co-offensive coordinator at Memphis. So they know each other very, very well. Yeah. So so Justin Fuente knows exactly what he's getting, I think. He's got a, he's got a very, very good idea of what, of what he's getting. I can't evaluate the guy as a football player because There's he no was film. right. So, uh, now the I, weird thing is you go on Texas A&M's site and he's listed as a running back. Right. I, I, well, now in honestly, his bio it did say Virginia Tech quarterback on Twitter. Okay. Right, so All he's right. going to play quarterback. Right. So that's oh, what no, he's, he's been told. Oh, he's going to play quarterback. Right. That's what he's uh, been told. He's come into. Well, I wasn't saying he was going to play running right, back. Right. I'm just saying right. we don't even. Texas now, A&M alum, Virginia Tech quarterback at Connor Blumrick on Twitter. No, he's going to come in and compete. And I, here's the thing: like, if it turns out he just doesn't do very well at quarterback, he's a good enough athlete where he can help in some sort of a pass blocking or excuse me, pass catching slash blocking role, like as an H back perhaps, or something like that. Um, I'm good with it. Um, I don't think – the proven starters, proven quarterbacks, boy, the competition for those guys on the transfer portal has got to be brutal. Ugh. 
Um, now bags of cash. I was about I was about to bring that up. I was like, let's let's talk about bag men and quarterbacks for a second. Um, I, I don't know I don't know what the going rate for certain four star quarterbacks are on the open market. Well, out of high school, it's a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, for <laughs> certain ones, any, don't say anything more. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but. That's an, that's for a seventeen year old who's who's unproven. All right. What should a proven starter be worth? A guy like Justin Fields when he's in the portal, mm. and, and Derek but, King, somebody like. And I'm not right. saying those guys. We're took not money implying or anything, anything. Like that. but I would be more inclined if I were a bag man to go after a proven quarterback at the college level who's in the portal. Dude, the portal is in its infancy right. in terms of how schools will deal with it. Or if, if you're a player, you can play it smart. You can get paid twice. Uh, well, that's true. You know, <laughs> and, and there's discussion of that on our message board where it's like, yeah, get your one or 200000 to go to your first school. And even if you don't make the rotation or get the job, you know, the money still spends right. and right. you can double and dip. And I'm not suggesting that's going on a lot or anything <laughs> like that. But, but like we do know that certain quarterbacks like Cam Newton like that's basically a foregone conclusion that Auburn bought him, right? That's or bought his dad or whatever. Um, there have been multiple articles written about it. Yeah, and that was that was for an unproven quarterback. Yeah, but I mean, when a really good quarterback gets in the portal, what's that worth to you? A guy you already know is good. He's not some recruit who may or may not be good. He's proven. What would that be worth to you if you were so, a So let's man? say you're a five-star coming out of high school. You can probably get a couple hundred grand. Uh-huh. Then when you land wherever you're going, name, image, and likeness you, is coming up. You can probably sign some pretty big contracts. And then if you hit the transfer portal, you can make another, what, couple hundred grand to go Because somewhere? there might be some coach out there who's trying to save his job. You are going to see a million-dollar player. <laughs> now, a lot of it will be under the table, and you won't hear about it. You won't it, know it, yeah. But you might see a million-dollar quarterback in, yeah. in college football. Soon. You might. Um, you didn't think I was going in that I, direction. You know, I was about to say that. I did not think we were going to be talking about. I knew that nutrition and red shirting might be coming up, but not bag man. But hey, great conversation. So to one hundred, we have not talked about red shirting today. Um, we talked about red shirting Ojiako and Ahmed we did. Hill. Yeah, I always try and at least work it in one time. Um, oh, and I did mention that uh, somebody red shirted. God, who did I say red shirted? Oh, it was remember. a basketball player. It was Ahmed Hill. Ahmed Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so again, that's Connor Blumrick and, and, and quickly. So Blumrick is now in the quarterback room again, because he's on Twitter. It says Virginia tech quarterback. I know some people are chiming in on two, four seventies running back the A&M website, but as Chris is saying, and it looks like from social media, he's going to come into the quarterback room to begin his career here at tech Blumrick Bullock, Kadem and Burmeister. Would we expect any more changes to come from the quarterback room this off season? Or you think that's the four that Virginia tech will have come fall? Uh, unless, there was just a can't miss guy out there that wanted to come. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see anything. I think else. it is what it is. And plus, like, I don't know how many more scholarships Virginia Tech has. I don't know how you count scholarships this year. Bill Dooley would be loving this. Year. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> you don't know God, what we're talking from, about. From back, I actually know the reference there for the. Uh, okay. back. So you know the probation story. Yes, okay. yes, okay. I am well aware. Did so Bill from, Roth tell you that? No, actually, right. I, okay. I, I'll tell you how I found it uh, okay. after the podcast over. Um, Let's uh, again. We talked about this last Monday on our podcast, and we talked about how he was likely going to commit. And then a couple hours later, he did commit. Jordan Williams has officially transferred from Clemson to Virginia Tech. Six foot four, three hundred ten pounder from Virginia Beach, uh, is a defensive tackle. And we talked at length about him on Monday. But 
Will, this is someone who looks like he's going to come in and be a, a starter right away. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it, it was a, Norm Wood uh, got got in touch with him and wrote an article about him that's really good. You should you should look it up and read it. Um, let's get one thing out of the way. Jordan Williams is planning playing here one year. He has two years the NFL. He has two years of eligibility, but he said in the article that his plan was to play one year. So that'll answer that question. He also had interesting comments about how. Clemson tended to be more of a three-down um, defense, three-down lineman defense, and that Tech is going to put four men down, and, and he felt there was more opportunity there for him to play. And, and he talked a lot about the scheme, about scheme being a big reason that, that he was coming here. And uh, six, six, five, six, four? I've got him at 6'4", 310. 6'4", And as we talked about last week, he is billed as a run stuffer. Not a not a not a guy who's going to pressure the quarterback. That could change. You know, you come in and and I'm not saying Clemson knows how to coach, but maybe you can work with him on his hand technique, which is already yeah. good. You and got then, Bill Tierlink, who's a former yeah. NFL defensive line coach. Yeah, and and you know Daryl Tapp, who's, who's played the position, uh, played defensive end anyway. So uh, it's, it's Chris and I's opinion that he's he, Jordan Williams is stepping into a starting role. Oh yeah, um, I think he played six hundred and. Some fifty some snaps yeah. at Clemson. There's nobody, no other defensive tackle on this Virginia Tech team that could have played that many snaps at Clemson over the course of three years. Yeah, so he's going to step right in and start. Um, you know who starts next to him? You know is is the big question. Um, Crawford, if he's back healthy, is the most experienced guy, and he was a good player, but that was an a now Crawford team. is disruptive. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're they're kind of the polar opposites of each other there. Um, a really, really big combination would be Jordan Williams and Josh Fuga, who's six two three twenty three. I think yeah. that would be <laughs> Tech fans wouldn't know what to do if they saw both those defensive tackles run on the field together. Man, that that's some beef that we're not used see, to. That's why you got to recruit taller linebackers so they can see, see over, over the there, tackles yeah, and see what's see, going on. Exactly. Uh, you had to have uh, Tremaine Edmonds back there to see over Tim Settle, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah um, but you know, let, let's let's view this decision by Jordan for Williams for what it is. This is a business decision. Yeah, he didn't come to Virginia Tech to be closer to home or everything like that. He had some prior relationships. He and Justin Fuente get along very well. Jordan Williams is going wherever he thought was his quickest pass the, to the NFL. Right. <laughs> this is a, that's another reason. Like, I'm just finding basketball more and more enjoyable. Like, pretty much all of Tech's basketball players know they're not going to play in the NBA. Right, yeah, I think so. And all these football players these days that are just like NFL, 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 NFL. No, it's a good point. <laughs> it's it's so it's I'm not saying there aren't transfers in basketball because there clearly are, but college football just seems a lot more business like these days, and it makes it, which I'm fine with from an NFL standpoint. That's how it should be in the NFL, but. It makes it harder to form a special relationship with the players on your college team, right? If so many of them were going in and out of the program, because that was never the intention of college football. I'm not saying it shouldn't be that way, because the way I see it, if a regular chemistry major at Virginia Tech wants to transfer out, they don't have to sit out a year when they change schools or anything like that, right? So from a fairness standpoint, I agree with it, but I also think it makes the product less enjoyable. To me. I guess you know, for for me, I'm I'm 56 years old, and I grew up a diehard fan of the uh, of the 
Miami Dolphins. Um, Malcolm Greasy was quarterback, and uh, Jim Kick and Mercury Morris and Larry Zonka and all played for him. And uh, players just didn't change teams very much. Yeah. You, you, you rooted for – yeah, you rooted for the team, but you rooted for the players too because you knew they were going to be around a long time. And I remember as a kid when the World Football League started and they took uh, Larry Zonka and Jim Kick and, and I believe Mercury Morris. It's been a long time, but they emptied out the Dolphins' backfield, and that that was a shock. What is the then. World Football League? Uh, it was just a, a WFL. It was a league that ran a few years back then. And no kidding. What was the other league that Spurrier coached in? The other was that league? the XFL? No, or the World League? The We Laugh? The World League? The USFL? USFL. USFL. Thank you. Okay. USFL was after the WFL. Okay. Um, Wikipedia, I'm sure, has all the answers. So, so there's a tendency in guys my age and older to kind of poo-poo free agency and the way players move around and stuff like that. But, you know, there's still a lot of fans of the NFL out there, people that root for their team, even though, yes, the players do change right. every year. True. Yep. No, you know, no. And, and so <laughs> – Sometimes you want your players to change every year. Bingo. <laughs> you know, um, if, if, it's exciting that Jordan Williams is coming in. I'm excited sure, by it. Don't get sure, me wrong. Sure, it sucks that Doug Nestor's leaving, but hey, Jordan right. Williams is coming in, and and he has let's not oversell him, but he has the the ability to transform the defense by by particularly early in the season. Tech got smoked up the middle in a few games, just got run it over. Should be a lot easier to play linebacker now. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and with would you like to have had Jordan Williams against Liberty on some of those fourth and ones? It might matter. How less. about Wake Forest when they converted three fourth downs in one right. drive? Would you like to have Jordan Williams in the middle then? Yes, you would have. Well, you're going to have him this year. And it, it might matter less that uh, Alan Tisdale is 210 pounds now. Yeah. now. Now, if he can get up to 230 and be playing behind now, now we're Jordan talking, Williams, man. now we're talking. Barno, 250. Now we're talking about what like a real life ACC defense is supposed to look like from a physicality standpoint. Right. We have a couple of quick notes. T.J. Jackson, Virginia Tech offensive lineman in the portal. He's committed to Ohio. And then Lasita Smith and Brock Hoffman have both announced they are returning to Virginia Tech. All right, we are an hour and 17 minutes into the podcast. We're glad you're with us, episode 163. Uh, quickly, we were going to talk about Virginia Tech wrestling today. They had a huge duel uh, supposed to open up their ACC slate on Friday night. We had associate head coach Jared Frayer with us last Wednesday. Great Tech sideline podcast. But... COVID in the North Carolina program postponed the duel, so the Hokies will now open their ACC slate this Friday against UVA at home inside of Castle Coliseum on the ACC Network Extra. Uh, Virginia Tech women's basketball earlier in the week went to North Carolina, knocked off the Tar Heels. I know, Will, I think you tweeted that you were watching four hours straight of Virginia Tech women's basketball and men's basketball against Wake Forest. I phased uh, in and out of the women's game. They had a lead. Um, Ten-point lead in the third quarter against Wake and – just couldn't up, hang on. Wound up losing. Um, they did well against North Carolina. Was it Kayla King? Is that her Kayla name? Kayla King. Had a couple big three-pointers in the fourth period to hold off North Carolina. So they need more of that kind of thing, and they didn't get it yesterday against yep. Wake. And Women's Hoops now 2-5, and five, I believe, in ACC. Yeah. Okay, we've got a lot of questions to get to from YouTube Live to um, to Twitter and to the boards. Let's go ahead and start on the board. Um, quickly here, guys. Let's go 30-second on this because it's a good question. If you had to pick a bad loss for the basketball team remaining in the ACC schedule, who would it be against and why? You mean, what do I think? Or was, yeah. Projecting the rest of the Man. schedule. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Losing at home to Boston College Wednesday would be a bad loss. And, and No, is it? 
They're asking us like if we which which is most likely. What's the most likely bad loss? No, just if you had to pick, what do you think? Yeah, like if what you had game to pick are you a counting as a win? <laughs> maybe yes. be, maybe before the season started. And, right now, we went over the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Pitt's better than than I thought they would be. Um, so I, I don't know where they are in the net, or if that could be considered a bad loss. I don't know that like any ACC road game is a bad loss. Like I guess those years when Boston College didn't win a game in the ACC, I guess yeah. that would have or been, Pittsburgh yeah. remember a couple of years ago. Yeah, before, well, uh, yeah, that would have been a bad loss. Uh, Kevin Stallings was a coach. Yeah, um, I, I would I would say that game yeah. against Boston College is the one I I really didn't want to lose the one yesterday to Wake Forest, but I really you don't want to lose that one at home. No. Um, that 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 would be like a quadrant three or four home loss. Yeah, um, yeah, you know that, that 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 would be and, and, not and good. A, a road loss to Notre Dame really wouldn't bother me that much because I know they have some talent and, and they are well coached. Yeah. And Lashevsky's a good player down low. Yeah. He, he is, is a good player. And that was from Ottawa Hokie. Let's go to Mister Bay Area Hokie on the TSL boards. Um, I believe I know the answer to this, but I think it's worth bringing up again because we haven't talked about it about a year or so. Is there another college team we can look at for comparisons in college football? Can we look at other programs that are foo-like, that have been successful by foo, like, I mean, relied heavily on transfers? I know the portal is newish, but mm. JUCO transfers aren't new, so maybe that is a comparison that can be made. I feel like Wisconsin has been the team we've always compared Virginia yeah, Tech to. Yeah, but that's from but, a recruit and develop standpoint, not a, not not a, a transfer standpoint. Not a portal uh, No, I would prefer to model my program around Wisconsin's more than any other. I think right. we have a better chance of being really good at player development than we do recruiting like Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama. And I don't care how many – I don't care if we expanded our recruiting staff to 200. I don't think we're going to sign top five classes. Yeah. Um, that's, um, uh, I, I would say late 90s uh, Kansas State when, well, they, when they got a lot of good players out of the junior that, colleges yeah, out there. Yeah, that, that, that's – you could. Now, it's, it's different. Every school is – admission policies for juco recruits are different now most guys are in juco football because they weren't original qualifiers out of high school well here's the thing with virginia tech what i've always heard is that virginia tech they're extremely limited on what juco's they can take because i think they can only maybe allowed across the entire athletic department to take one or two juco's who were non-qualifiers out of high school yeah like I don't know if that's per year or over a certain stretch of time. But basically, if you were a non-qualifier out of high school and you go to JUCO, then you still probably can't get into Tech. Um, it's it's special situations. You know, I, I think well, I was, uh, there's a numerical limit that Virginia Tech doesn't allow themselves to exceed across uh, the entire athletic department. I was more drawing a parallel between a team that had a lot of success with a fair amount of roster churn. Right. And right. and that's what you're going to get if you're if you're mining the portal you're going to have a lot of roster churn. Yeah, well, um, everybody's going to have a lot of roster churn these days. Yeah, yep. I mm-hmm. mean, I. But that being said, I think it's important. I, I I would model it. I would try my hardest to model it after Wisconsin. I, All right. Yeah. So loaded question coming up here. We could spend a lot of time on this, <laughs> but let's try and limit this quickly because we have a lot of questions. This is from JJ Hokey two on the board transfer portal question. 
How has the transfer portal changed the chemistry of teams? You used to wait your turn and play as a junior or senior. Now you just transfer if you're not playing. <laughs> or you could have been waiting your turn and then your coach brings in a junior to take your spot. I'm just wondering how that impacts a player's commitment to and love for a school. It seems now the portal has made things more like NFL free agency where a player really doesn't care what team he's on as long as he's getting paid. Now that's the other aspect of it that people don't talk about. Um, is you know what if you're a player, you put in the time, and it's just about to be your turn, right? Let's say you're Jalen Holston. Yeah. It seems like it's just about to be your turn. And then I don't know if Tech's going to do this or not. I actually assume they will sign a transfer portal running back. Uh, but then you go out and recruit a Kevin Marks. Out of Buffalo. Out of Buffalo, who has been a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, so you put in the work as a player. You close the season pretty strong, like like Jay you look, did. You look like it's finally your look, time. Look, y'all, my, my my time is coming. And then, bam, they, they go into the portal and get somebody to to take that spot that was about to be yours. Um, so yeah, um, it's not an ideal. It's a tough spot for players too in some in some situations. It's a tough spot for coaches because they don't know what players are going to do on a year-to-year basis. Yeah. And it's a tough spot for some players because they don't know if, like, they're going to get blindsided and just somebody's going to get recruited over them at, at the last minute um, is what it is, man. Uh, uh, as far as chemistry goes. Well, I think a prime example, real quick, is when Hendon Hooker, remember he entered the portal about mm-hmm. two years ago and then he came back? And I don't think that changed. I, I think players understand. And like think about in the NFL, right, when somebody's holding out. A lot of right. players are like, hey, do what you got to do, man. Get the money that yeah. you deserve. Yeah. I think players understand nowadays playing time. And I don't think that it's like, oh, he's entered the portal. He's, I, not, yeah, a, I, he's I not a team guy. I don't think I, that's I, it. I see very little of that because you see when guys – Enter the portal and other teammates openly support them. Go get that bag, media. bro. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Dog. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that's an issue. I th- actually think op- players opting out is going to be, from this past year, will be more of an issue for teams than, than the transfer portal. Because players who opted out, they chose to not play while their teammates were making sacrifices. I mean, right. getting – Getting swabbed, swabbed three down times your nose a week. three times a week. That's horrible. At like Tra- seven Tracy in the Cla- morning. Tracy Glaze talked about that in his exit, <laughs> exit uh, tweet his comments, or whatever. Yeah. Oh my god, about how awful that's something he's not going to miss. So, <laughs> so a few players out there on teams, various teams across the country, elected to not go through that this year while their teammates did. And those players, it's not like. They're not not going to just waltz back into their school in January and say, "Oh, well, I'm back, guys. Did you miss me?" How, how was the season? You know, so you're seeing a lot of those guys actually hit the portal because they're not really not really welcome back. Not really welcome back because they chose not to sacrifice while their teammates uh, did sacrifice. Yeah. So I don't think the transfer portal is an issue as far as chemistry amongst players. I think it could be an issue as far as chemistry amongst players and coaches. As far as player on player chemistry, I think it, that it would actually be more affected by the opt outs this year. Final question. It comes from Twitter. Ryan Haynes uh, asked, what does VT basketball need to do to be more consistent offensively in ACC play? And then Brian Holbrook responded with this, and this is what I want to focus the majority of our time on. He said, I think the answer to this is to continue to reduce Beatty's minutes so we aren't playing five on four in the half court with defenders collapsing on Aluma. Curious if they agree. 
If you look at the last two games, Wabisa Beatty's only been playing north of about 20 minutes a game. Do you think mm. that's intentional? And what do you make oh, of what Brian had to say? certainly intentional. Um, now, the thing is, like, I generally agree. But at the same time, I actually thought Tech played better offensively against Duke with him on the court. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it, I think, thought it just the offense ran better. So it's still to the point where it varies on a game-by-game -game basis. Uh, though I generally do do agree with that. Um, now the thing is, you know, you, those are numbers we can look at. Um, Beatty's so good for team chemistry, and and he's a he's a terrific leader. And you can't if you don't play, you can't be a team leader, right? That's just a fact of it. Right. Like you have to play a certain amount of minutes to qualify for that role. Um, so he has to play. And, and there, was, there was a moment I thought last night where it was getting a little dicey, and uh, and he made a steal. He just yeah, picked yeah. a guy's pocket yeah. on defense. Right, um, Mike and the, the announcers last night were saying that Mike Young told them that will be Sabidi at the end of his career might be the most important player he's ever had at at Virginia Tech or just overall. He said overall. So that that's what or, the coach or, is saying. Um, and I caught that, and he means that because you know when he when you take over a program. And, you know, if, if Beattie leaves, then who's the team leader for last year? Some freshman? Landers Nye? I mean, no, right. So that, that, that can't happen. So like Could have been even worse. I, I think the transition, I think Beattie staying was very, very important for the chemistry transition and the winning culture transition from mm -hmm. the Buzz Williams era to the Mike Young era. Now, Mike, Aaron, Mike Young didn't inherit a lot from a – from a roster standpoint in terms of numbers, but the guys who stayed, they kept their winning mentality. I mean, Tech still went 16 and 16 last year when they shouldn't have, yeah. right? I mean, <clears throat> so I think BD from that standpoint, just is the trans transition from the buzz era to, to the Mike Young era has, you, you can't look in a box score and see that. But back to the question, mm -hmm. how do you get more consistent offensively? And, and certainly that's a, that's a theory that can hold some water. You know, and, and as they get more comfortable offensively with Beatty not on the floor, he becomes more a situational defensive sub. And and we I think we talked about this in the last, pod, last podcast. I think you're actually already seeing that happen. I think Mike Young is really figuring out. Everybody talks about the depth uh, that he's got, but I think he's also really figuring out what guys can do what and when to put him in, and, and, he's, and he's doing a really good job Ty of that. Tyrese Rice getting his eye poked. Right. I, really threw off the rotation early in the game last night because Mike Young didn't put Hunter Couture in the game, right? Yeah, yeah. He put Darius uh, Maddox. Maddox in the game because he was he's so used to uh, bringing Couture in at like the 15-minute mark for Beatty. And now he thought, man, if I, well, if I pay, play Couture for the next five minutes with Beatty, then I can't take Beatty out of the 15-minute mark. Who can I bring in at that point? To throws everything point? off. It throws your whole rotation off. So at first he brought Maddox in, and he only brought him in for like a minute and a half yeah. or so, and <clears throat> then he brought Couture in. Um, so that that I thought that really – it threw off his thinking very, very early in the game as far as substitution patterns go. Yeah. Um, but, yes, he's still I, – I would agree that, you know, on paper you're going to be a better offensive team with, with, with Hunter Couture in there. You just have more – it was just an extra guy who can score. Um, I was, I'll tell you what, I was shocked last night when at the end of the game, Couture was in there instead of Beattie. Really? Well, when Wake Forest had the ball. 
Oh, okay. So I missed that. Right. Mm. Yeah. I, I looked out there. It was one of Wake's last possessions. And this is the spot where you'd normally have Beatty in there for, for defense. Couture is right? getting they better and better, man. Yeah, he's, 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 no, he's no Beatty yet, but he's getting there. Oh, yeah. Right. It's as not as big defense. a drop off defensively. No, it's not. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, last thing I'll end on, a, just thinking about Beatty's first two years, right? And when you always look at that starting lineup of the Sweet 16 team, right? Everyone's like, oh, there's. Outlaw and Blackshear and J. Rob and Nikhil and, and you know I just never felt like BD got the respect that you know he deserved. And granted, he was young and he it wasn't a big score then, but just kind of nice to see him stay and his love for Virginia Tech and you know like he's now like the leader on the team. You know it's yeah. it's cool to see throughout a coaching change he went from being the young guy learning under a bunch of Virginia Tech greats on maybe one of the greatest teams ever to being a, a huge glue guy chemistry wise. In a really big transition, and and you know you look at what's been the consistent, the constant, it's been Beatty. I mean, over the course of four years, the last four years of the program, will be Beatty is is Mr. Consistency. He's, he's the North Star, right? He's yeah. always in the same spot. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's a limited offensive player. I actually think he's gotten worse offensively, but I don't. I don't think, but the importance to his program to, that he's brought to the program. I, I used to have some faith score. that the shot was going to go in when he took it, and now I have zero. Right. You know, unfortunately, right. and, yeah. and, and it's almost like he feels the same way. I think. Yeah, yeah. The, but he also knows his role. He doesn't try and be somebody that he's not. You know what I mean? Like he knows who he is right. and is not going to take shots that aren't. He might be open, but if he knows he's not going to make it, I mean, he, he's a team first guy. So, anyways, we we both love will be Sabi. All three right. of us. I mean, yeah. really appreciate him, and so. Right at the 90-minute mark of today's podcast. That'll wrap things up here. Uh, Chris, let's see. We've got two basketball games this week, maybe some football news. What's coming up on TechSideline.com? You know, my day planner is in the other room in, in the new <laughs> you office. You can't look over now. <laughs> and I, I, can't, uh, I can't remember what's written there. But there Great will, content. <laughs> there will be content uh, wound up and ready to go. As Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, any closing thoughts before we sign off? So what do we so we got BC uh, at home on Wednesday at Syracuse Saturday at Syracuse Saturday so they're actually noon Saturday right and it's on yes and it's on RSN so I can't get that at home yeah right so I'm gonna have to go to the bar. I can't either maybe I'll meet Chris downtown <laughs> and and yeah. so the the UVA wrestling is against there won't UVA. be anybody there I guarantee exactly you. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yes UVA I'll be on the call for that on Friday. Oh, awesome. So, so ACCN Extra, so the streaming correct. service, not the ACC. The way you watch the Campbell duel, that's how you need to watch the UVA duel. The, the last time Tech was on RSN was, I don't know, the Coppin State game, I mm-hmm. think, which was a Saturday night game. And I had to go out to watch it. So I went downtown to, to a bar, and I was the only person in there besides the bartender for two hours. Really? Of course, the students weren't back. Students weren't back, but, oh, my God, I don't know how some of these places are staying in business. Wow, that's a whole whole other podcast. (laughs) All right, well, that'll wrap things up for us. Episode 163 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. He's Chris Coleman on Twitter at ChrisColemanTSL. He's Will Stewart on Twitter at WillStewartTSL. And uh, that'll do it for us. Go to TechSideline.com to read all the great content, the message boards. We're on Twitter at TechSideline as well. Right, that'll wrap things up for our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 163 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center, Campus Emporium, and Anytime Fitness. Have a great week, Hokies. 